What's going on, everybody? Welcome to 100% Real with Alex. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Naz Abdu, who is a trader. Um, he actually teaches a bunch of courses. I actually had the opportunity of meeting him over dinner, and he has a wealth of knowledge. You guys are in for a treat. So without further ado, let's cue the music. Best believe, best believe. Uh, we the best. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Woo. Uh, best believe, best believe. Uh, we the best. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Hey. Tell us a little bit about your story in general. Uh, also, I think we still have your, your screen shared. I don't know if you want to like take that off. I'll um, share it now when we we'll come to it. From... Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, like, tell us a little bit about your story. What got you into day training? Because I know uh, we actually had the opportunity of sitting down. We actually had dinner and we had, like talked yeah. a little bit about everything. And I was like, damn, this guy knows what he's talking about. And you were interested in real estate and investing. Yeah. In I was interested in stocks and getting involved in that. Um, tell us a little bit about like what got you into trading, right? Like what was the, your first like experience with it and how you got to where you are now? Right. Definitely. Um, well, before I even got into trading at all, I basically looked at, looked at it just like how I would look at, for example, drop shipping. Now I'm like, what the hell is drop shipping? I have nothing, no idea about that. Right. So it was just whenever you're not in a field or you don't have experience or you don't have anybody that's doing it around you you're it's literally a you know a dark cloud you don't know what to what to believe you don't know what to learn like you don't know how to get started right mm -hmm. so i never really looked into it and never was so motivated that i would just go on google and just like you know search things up it just happened to be where that i was just in um i was in the uh i was in the uh revolving door of okay high school college so i was about to graduate college right my whole idea was I'm going to get my exercise science degree and I'm going to be a physical therapist, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. Um, end of, end of senior year. And even before the physical therapist thing, my whole idea, because I didn't declare my major until like, so, uh, sophomore year, late sophomore year. So I didn't even know what I wanted to do when I decided to go to college. Right. All I wanted to do then was to be an NBA player. Right. I was just, because yeah. I, and because Lincoln high school, I played for one of the best basketball, uh, high schools in New York City, won a championship and everything. So I'm like, like thinking like, oh, even if I don't, you know, go pro here, I could go overseas, play in Egypt, all this stuff, you know? Never really ended up training the right way, eating the right way, doing this stuff. And kept on getting hurt. And then basketball was slowly dying as a dream, right? So I had to like think, what am I gonna do the rest of my life, right? Hard question for somebody that's been living in a basketball bubble for like six yeah. years or something. So around senior year, I had uh, one of my, friends from fifth grade I, had, I lost touch with him but I popped up on Instagram I was driving an i8 I'm like he's 22 years old how are you driving an i8 boom get into it turns out he's doing stocks and I get into it more I talked to him he's like okay I'm doing this course blah, blah, blah. take the course uh, it was like an online course and then I think like a month or two months later he's like I'm doing it in person since you got the, the course already why don't you come you know for free you don't gotta pay nothing and learn Boom. And I took one of his first courses and now God bless the stock market lab. He is, uh, he has 2000 plus people all around the world teaching stocks and the crazy community. So I'm forever indebted for him that he was able to introduce me into this world. And it was just a wrap ever since this was mid 2017. And I'm just been on a roll, just, you know, obsessed with it. Why? Because stocks is like a, a combination of like two things, right? It's so math. It's not like you need to be like a math was, but like there's some math to it. You're looking at numbers. Um, and then the other thing is like patterns, right? You like, you want to identify patterns and also you want to, it's the psychology behind it. It's the challenge of trying to, you know, become the best at what you're doing and nothing like will challenge you mentally like trading. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like it's definitely um, just in the, the time period. Cause as soon as this all came and COVID came and took over, I was like, I've always wanted to dive into it. So I just dived into it, right? So I was on YouTube, I was reading everything and just trying to absorb as much information. It's a lot, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. And um, it, it'll quickly humble you, like right after that, right? Like mm -hmm. you have like four good days and you're like, this shit ain't that hard. And then boom, you don't set your stop loss. You go take a, a poop and you're $400 down, you're $700 down. You're like, what the fuck just happened? And you give right? up the whole four days. That's... Yeah, and then now, now you're, you're, you're climbing back. So it, it is definitely... And it, uh, an experience. Um, so when you first got into, I know mindset 
is yeah. definitely probably one of the biggest challenges I would say any trader has. Yeah. Um, how, how did you kind of evolve? Because I know that you were talking a lot when we actually sat down about taking the emotion out of it and just being analytical about mm -hmm. your trades. Uh, right. what, are some, what are some like tactics you do or what are some methods that you're currently following that could help somebody out there who's maybe just getting into it? Sure, sure. So first I'm going to talk about how I would get affected and my journey starting out, right? And then I'm going to say what I'm doing now to address all the stupid stuff that I was doing earlier, right? So basically, I was the type of person where I didn't, I would never risk a dollar without being somewhat proficient in what I'm doing, right? A lot of people, they'll say they have 2,000, 3,000, they'll put into the, into the trading account or whatever, and then they'll just trade without even knowing what they're doing. They'll, they'll figure it out as they're doing it, and then they could potentially, you know, lose money for no reason doing that, right? Um, for me, I was like, okay, I got to study. Ever since I was younger, my parents have been pushing me, oh, you got to study, you got to get good grades, you know, so you go to college and get a good job. It's the same bullshit that everybody got, yeah. right? So me, my whole life, I was book smart, not straight smart, one bit, straight book smart. Why? Because all the time my head was in the books, 95, 96, 97, all tests, just that was the main goal, right? So I was always the, like, the analytical right so i studied my ass off read everything i could about stocks read everything i could about stock psychology right but the thing about that is psychology is about emotions you can't learn about emotions you have to deal with them before it's a whole phenomenon and it's kind of it's hard to put into words but it's something that you can feel when you're there right so basically what i'm trying to say is in the beginning, as I'm learning all these things, I learned about every single thing that I should not do, right? I learned all the rules. I learned that I should not lose more than 2% of my account. I learned that I should cut my losses. I shouldn't, you know, take out my stop loss. I shouldn't change my game plan as I'm in the trade, right? I learned about so many rules that I should be doing and I should be following. But as soon as real money was, became part of the equation, emotions entered the chat and all those rules went out the window, Yeah. right? hundred percent. I mean, I a hundred percent agree. Cause, um, I felt like one of the biggest issues I had was when I, cause I, I do paper trading, right? Like obviously I wanted to get started. So I started paper trading first. I didn't really put actual money into an account until I felt like, all right, I could kind of identify, but as soon as real money came into play, that's yeah. when I started messing up. Right. Mm. So like what I would do is I would get more aggressive with my stop losses. So I would stop out too early before like the breakout would happen. You wouldn't, you, you wouldn't give it like enough room, you mean? To move? Yeah. Yeah, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't let it like, cause like my EMA line, like it would keep dipping below the EMA line, hitting my stop loss, and then mm. re returning, going back up, because I was getting too antsy with I didn't want to lose money. Right. right? right. Um, and that was something that I kind of learned, but then also you get a little cocky when you start winning, and then I didn't set a stop loss once in the bathroom. Like that was the biggest mistake I did um, thus far. And, um, you know, it's all been a learning process, but would you recommend that somebody definitely like get into paper trading first before diving in? A hundred percent, hundred percent. There's basically two requirements for you to actually enter into real time trading. First one is being proficient with the platform that you're using, right? To know where to, how to buy and how to sell and how to navigate the platform and how to set up the platform the right way where, you're optimizing every screen, whether you're using a laptop or whether you're using two, three, four screens, every single, you know, piece of uh, part of your monitor should be helping you in some way, right? So being efficient in the platform, knowing how to buy, how to sell, how to put a chart up, how to, you know, do technical analysis, how to do trend lines, that stuff, you, you got to figure it out first. You don't want to dive into real money without applying your edge in the paper trading, right? Your edge is basically the edges that I use market sentiment, stock trend line, uh, like important price levels, you know, high volume, um, moving averages and candlestick and chart patterns. Right. So in the second criteria for going from paper trading to real money, anytime anybody gets into paper trading and anytime anybody gets into trading, got to plug them right into paper trading. You can never go real money right away. Never. Right. One, make sure that you know, the, uh, platform efficiently Two, the most importantly make sure you're willing to lose money 
as soon as you're willing to lose money 100%, like you're fine losing whatever X amount, then both of these two are good. Go to real-time trading. You're, if, you, if those two are good and you're still paper trading, you're wasting time because you're literally not going to get better because I don't care how much you try to convince yourself, like, I'm going to act like this is real money. Subconsciously, you know that it's not real money. So you'll operate out of a, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, it's not, emotions won't, won't come in. Yeah. And I realized that too, like uh, when I was paper trading, the, the, the attachment to the, the fake money, obviously you're still following the same pattern structure, but you're, you're a little more aggressive with stuff. You're able to, to um, kind of, you already know that like, all right, if I lose, it's not a huge deal. So you're, yeah. you're not as crazy with the stop losses. You're not like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but those are where the rules are set, where you're actually winning. Once you see consistency in your wins and, you know, you're minimizing your risk, that's, that's like the, the, the best part about it, right? Like you already know that you can do it. You just got to be able to identify. I feel right. like me personally, my biggest um, hurdle right now is identifying the reversals. Mm. Right? I get too antsy, I think, and I don't let the pattern play out enough to actually catch the reversal with mm. real money. But with fake money, I'm all about it. Like I get it all the time. But when it comes to real money, for some reason, I, I really like, and I'm like really trying to time like a bottom, which is impossible to do. Like, right. But let, let for confirmation, wait for confirmation to happen before diving in. Um, what platforms are you using currently? So I'm using Thinkorswim by TD Ameritrade. Yeah, yeah. I definitely made the switch over. I was starting with uh, Robinhood um, and I had like a margin account. And then I was just like, nah, I don't like, I, I, I think I had, a, like I was using um, um, Thinkorswim with Robinhood, <laughs> right? Oh, like I, I was trading on that. A lot of people do that, but uh, yeah. Robinhood is just user-friendly, you know, for anybody that's starting out, it's yeah. probably like the most broken down, but it, it's not the best in terms of, you know, legitimate charting and like putting in actual work. It's not, it, it's, Robinhood would ask you like, do you think it's going up? Do you think it's going down? Like, it's like beginner, you know, you click in yes, no, blah, blah, but, you know, Thinkorswim is definitely, if you want to, it's what has one of the best charting softwares, you know. Gotcha. And um, in regards to um, think, think or swim, like um, I know that there's some things that you have to kind of set up before actually getting into live trading. Like I know that there was like a delay on mine that you have to contact mm -hmm. customer support so that, that you don't have that 20 minute delay. Um, yeah. And it, um, yeah, it's kind of, for me, it reminds me of like Photoshop. I don't know if you've ever like dealt with like Photoshop or anything like that. But no. like, what do you mean by that? Like it's a, it's a little more, it looks a little more robust, but once you actually learn it, it's, it's more, it's more useful, like with the scans and all that stuff. Like right. so, many, so many opportunities on there. Um, so also I know that you are doing a couple of classes at the end of May. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Sure. So I'm doing like a 12 hour training so far. I think I got like about two people that will be joining. It'll be like a zoom call thing. So the 12 hour training is basically going to be divided into three parts, right? And this is basically the three foundations of any uh, professional stock trader, mind, money, method. And it literally is purposely in that order. And by the way, I did not make this up. This is from uh, one of the best trading uh, psychology authors, uh, probably that I have read uh, by the name of Alexander Elder. The name of the book is um, Trading for a Living. I highly recommend everybody to go check that out. Um, so basically mind is a psychology. So I take everybody in the beginning. I don't talk about no stocks can like candles. I don't talk about the charts, nothing. Literally gotta go in, gotta go over a couple of um, you know, points about the psychology behind it, the fears of trading, why is why is the game rigged against you because of how you are as a human, right? Mind out the way. And then I go into money which is risk management, right? How do you manage your risk like a hedge fund manager or like a professional trader where you can minimize your drawdowns and then you let your, you know, your profits be two, three, four, five times as much, right? And then the last part, which most people think is the most important, but it's actually the least important, which is the candles, the volume and, and all, all the edges, right? Because like, like you already know, these things are easy to learn and people learn them and they apply them efficiently in paper trading and they're able to make a thousand, 10,000 into a million, whatever the case might be. But as soon as real money enters the chat, 
it's a whole different situation, right? So I basically go through that. And not only that, right? After 12 hours are done, you will also be able to um, be part of a group chat. Right now I have about 40 students that have taken my uh, training over the last three, four months. And um, also weekly webinars and stuff. I know exactly how it feels because I've been there. Again, I started 2017, mid 2017. So it's about three years now. My whole idea before I started this was how would I have wanted um, a trading mentor to be like, how often would I have wanted him to reach out to me? Would I, like, so first thing that came up to me was daily accessibility. So most all my students can hit me up anytime. As soon as I get a chance to answer within the day, I'm theirs, right? Because I know all the things that they're going to go through. I'm literally three years ahead of them. I'm, and since most, emo most humans experience the same emotions, everything that I've felt and went through, they're 100% going to go through the same exact thing. So I just want to be a helping hand there as they're going to walk them through. It's not about just 12 hours training, right? It's about the continuous education. It's about the, you know, monitoring you, seeing where, what are you doing good, what are you doing bad, uh, helping you with your blind spots, right? Seeing based on the decisions that you're making, I'm able to know, are you greedy? Are you hesitant? Are you scared? Are you nervous? You don't want to lose money. I was talking with my student the other day and he was telling me how he was doing so good. And then one day he just gave back full profit. I was like, interesting. Okay. Um, Maybe it was something with your energy. Maybe you had an argument with somebody. It's like, oh my God, how'd you know? I had an argument with my girlfriend the night before, right? Mm -hmm. So being in tune, not being in tune with uh, with yourself and being able to to uh, notice emotions creeping in, you're able to also see how others can get affected by emotions and what you know events in their life could possibly happen to affect them that way. Does that make sense? For sure, for sure. No, I mean that that's definitely a big a big thing. I noticed that the days that I have rougher mornings than others um i tend to also you know have a pretty crappy training day where i'm not really profiting much or i'm getting at the wrong times and i keep stopping out like you know what i'm saying like um the same the same things right like it's definitely psychology a majority of the time um discipline is definitely probably the the biggest play here like i think mindset and discipline is just like mandatory if you want to become a good trader 100%. In terms of discipline, there's a fine line. And basically, you can have the best discipline in the world. But if emotion, if you let emotions get in, mm -hmm. so you're not like discipline, let's say, for example, you have discipline enough to, to write out your rules, right? You can literally have your rules in front of you. But things happen during the trading day. And Four types of fears, and this is what I go over in the training, four types of fears are able to negatively impact you, right? Fears, because when you feel fear, it activates the fight or flight response, mm -hmm. right? So there's four fears of trading that have the potential to happen every second of the market day, right? These four fears are losing money, being wrong, missing out, and leaving money on the table, right? Now... If we are, if, if these fear, if these um, events happen in the market every single day, where a stock could run like crazy and you feel like you're missing out, or a stock can go against you and you and you could potentially be wrong, it's uncertainty everywhere. And if these events have um, a chance to impact you emotionally every single day, if you're unable to increase your self awareness to to slowly realize them creeping in on you they'll creep it they'll they'll get to a point where they get they surround you so much they and then your brain is over that's it you're hijacked think about it like your emotions are are, are coming are coming out are coming out and they're and they're trying to go where to the to the head of your brain and they're trying to what take the seat take the the seat of the airplane and they want to drive it now the whole idea is to increase your self-awareness where you're able to see that the emotions come in way before so you're able to address them the right way mm -hmm. but no amount of discipline will help you once they grip the wheel does that make sense yeah 100 yeah. so self-awareness is key self-awareness
Yeah. Do you have any like uh, personal ex- like um, situations that maybe where emotion kind of took the wheel? Because I know for a fact oh. that um, like, a whole week ago, I actually got a little wrapped up, right, where I did a bad trade. Right. Yeah. And um, I, I, again, violated the rule of the stop loss. And I, I got, I pulled it down a little bit just to see if it'll reverse. Right. Cause it kept like bouncing off the, the VWAP, the middle yeah. VWAP. And I was like, but maybe, maybe it'll, it'll go, get above and it'll keep pushing. You start rationalizing and justifying. Yeah. You start trying to control the market instead of just being a witness of it. You start trying to control it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I got a bad trade and I got really mad at myself. I, I the emotions kind of took over and I wanted, I was like, I really wanted to dive in again and like get crazy and like, Take it back and more. yeah, double down my money. And then I was like, no, no, I got, I'm getting emotional. The emotions are taking, well, I just stopped trading for that day. Cause I, I already felt myself like out of control. Right. Like right. I was about to go all in on blackjack. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. And emotions for, for the most part for the last three years, have been, you know, present. And for the next three years and for the next 10 years, they're going to be present, right? It's not like you're ever going to be in a situation where, okay, these emotions are not going to pop up ever, right? So just to prove that point, I was watching a video of a professional trader I followed the other day by the name of Shane Lucci. And he is, uh, during the month of April, he, I think he was up about 400 grand. And then he kept on trying to short a stock that was just flying. I think it was Shopify. He was just kept on, he kept on selling calls, selling calls, which is basically like a bearish option strategy. Mm-hmm. The more it goes down, if, if the stock stays below where you're shorted, you make money. But just to keep it simple, he basically bet against the stock and the stock went against him. Right. And he ended up losing like 600 grand. Yeah. So the only way that somebody can go from up 400 K to down 200 K is if emotions kicked it right so that just goes to show that even if your high self-awareness is very high emotions can still enter right they can still impact you if you don't do the necessary work right if you don't catch it so one example for me it was i think about oh not this monday the monday before like about two weeks ago um, I was trading Square, right? A stock that I'm very familiar with. And the the week before, I think I was up about like, you know, 3K, 2.8K, something like that. So, and for some reason, I woke up late that day and I missed Square running, right? And had I, I had I been there, I would have probably doubled what I did the last week. So already off the bat, Alex, I was feeling what? Oh, oh so I'm like, damn, I missed out. Crap. So, but my self-awareness was so, was so bad, right? That I just sat there and I was like, okay, it's okay. Let's just, you know, see what's the next one. So now my brain created a edge that wasn't there just for the sole purpose of getting in and potentially making money. Sad to say, I ended up trading, I think 18 times in and out, in and out within like the same 1% range. Mm. And basically, and I was trading with so many shares, I think about like 2000 shares in and out, in and out for square. That was about a hundred grand in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, because I had so much money, so many shares in, I wouldn't let it go against me so much. And then I would reverse, I would short and then go along. Like that emotions took over like crazy to the point where I never want to like go through that again. I literally sat from 10 to 20 to like four o'clock. Right. And ended up being down on the day, like over three K. Right. Ended up giving the profit from the last week and then a little bit more, you know, yeah. had I, had I sat down, had, no, no. Had I been more self-aware, right. I would have noticed, Hey, there's no edge here. What are you doing? There's no high probability play here. Wait for the play. Square proceeded to end up going from $61 after, after reporting earnings three days later. Yeah. And by the way, when stocks are about to report earnings, yeah. Most of the time, they end up chopping before earnings because most investors, they don't know what the numbers are. So yeah. they're not going to invest. They're waiting for the numbers. So yeah. I expected the chop going in, right? But I expected it rationally. But when I became emotional, mm-hmm. everything that I know rationally, right? This is literally what happens. This, this is your trading plan, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you have your trading plan, you know, Cut your losses, blah, blah, blah. As soon as emotions come into play, everything that you know logically is literally out the window. Forget about it, right? 
So that's basically it. Yeah, I mean, I, I 100% agree with that. Um, so what is your play around earnings? Like, do you usually uh, pull out because you don't – like, I, I I just would pull out. Like me. Oh, I just, by the way, Square ended up after reporting earnings, 61. You know what it is now? Um, I'd actually, 80 bucks. 80 bucks, yeah. I mean – 33%. Yeah, it went crazy. Square was doing – like, I feel like all the stay-at-home trades are doing really, really well. Like, um, Peloton is one that I've been trading a lot. Um, I like Peloton. Mm. Um, but you know, like it's crazy. Like you really get hijacked. Like you really start, you start over trading, which is a huge thing. I feel like when I was paper trading in the beginning, I would over trade like a motherfucker because I have all the money. Right. But, um, I would definitely like just get in, try to get out, try to time that next breakout. But once you start doing that, like you have to be able to catch yourself, like you said, right. Um, on average, do you trade with a lot? Like how much do you usually trade with? If you don't mind me asking, like, on sure average. So right now, you mean like my position sizing, like how yeah. much money I have in the account, or like what am I? Um, like position sizing. Like how much do you usually like put on per trade? Like me, I'm like more like three thousand, four thousand. So before, so before I, so this this deals with like the risk management side of it. So basically, before I enter a trade, first I gotta know where I'll get out for a loss, right? Most traders they think about the opposite, like oh, where am I gonna sell for a profit? Because they're so mesmerized by you know making thousands of dollars like right off the bat, which is the wrong way to think about it because it's, it's a skill like any other that you need time to build, right? So I would figure out um, what's a good entry and what's a good stop loss, right? Now let's say those two numbers are $3 apart, right? And now also let's say that I'm comfortable losing $300 on this trade. So you just take whatever you're comfortable losing and you divide it by how far the stop loss is away, and that'll tell you how to position size correct. Mm -hmm. So if you do enter the trade, for example, let's say at 17, and you have a stop loss at 14, right? You can't just, you can't put your stop loss after you've entered the trade, because then you're not even managing risk properly. You don't even know how much you lose if it goes against you. So the formula is again, max loss, how much you're willing to lose on that idea, divided by how far the stop loss is away. So even if, and then again, you're, let's say you're comfortable losing 300, right? And the stop loss is $3 away. So 300 divided by three equals hundred. So your formula, your risk management tells you, you can buy hundred shares. So if you do buy hundred shares at 17, right? And you put your stop loss at 14 and you walk away and you come back and check it, you know, a week later, a month later, whatever the case might be, the worst that can happen is it'll hit the 14, right? and you'll lose 300, exactly what you were willing to lose. And if, and if you truly accept the risk that you're willing to risk 300, you're not, you're not gonna get emotional, right? But if you don't truly accept the risk, because there's two things, there's defining the risk and there's truly accepting it. Defining the risk is just saying the number, okay, I'll lose 500 on this. Truly accepting it is really, really, really being emotionally okay with being down that amount. Right. And I also recommend don't lose more than 2% of your account. Right. So that's how you want to, you know, that 300 that we started with, that's how that max loss, you should not lose more than 2% of your account on any one idea. And again, all these rules are nice, you know, and discipline to be able to be disciplined. You just have to be more self-aware, the more self-aware you are, the easier it'll be to follow your rules. Mm -hmm. right just got to snap out of it before it's too late think about it like this you we are robbers right we're we're trying to like to rob the money from the market or whatever right the emotions right are the cops mm -hmm. we gotta figure it out before the cops get there we gotta be able to keep the cops away the cops come in doesn't matter how many what doesn't matter what you got right so Going to jail, right? Hijacking, they're going to take you over. So, but if you're able to, you know, leave the bank, so to speak, right? It's again, it's all, it's, I'm trying to like break it down, but it's like, it's, I like using examples, but there's, I'm, it's not a clear one in my mind right now. Yeah. But, but if you let the emotions, aka the cops, get too close, that's it. You're going to be handcuffed. I, that, that's a better, it's a better analogy. You'll get handcuffed. Right. 
Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It, won't, it, won't, it won't be you making the decisions anymore. It's going to be the cops that are making the decisions for you, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like oh, that. that makes, I, I think that makes sense. That's a really good analogy. I really like that one. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that, I mean, that definitely makes sense. I feel like mindset is definitely super important. Um, in regard, because I know, do you day trade majority of the time or do you like swing trade more, more so? So it, depend, it depends on the ideas, right? And it also depends on how much risk I'm trying to put out and how much room I'm trying to give the stock to go. So basically, I would have a stop loss. And if it gets, it also depends on the market condition, right? Times like these, right? I don't know if I would be too comfortable holding for too long, right? But let's say I get into a trade, I have my stop loss, and the stock runs crazy in my favor, right? Maybe I could, you know, sell half of my position and then let the other half, let, let the other half ride, you know? I don't really go in thinking, okay, how long am I holding this for, you know? Um, I have a profit target, I have a stop loss, so everyone gets hit first, and when, I don't know when they're going to get hit. They could get hit, you know, 10 minutes from now, 30 minutes from now, a day from now, depending on how far out you're going, you know? But here's the thing. A lot of people mess up in the, in, in the way of they go in scalping, they go in thinking, okay, I want to go in and out, but then when it goes against them, they end up holding. Mm, yeah. And the fact that it went against them right away, their, their idea isn't right, and the fact that they're holding means that they're continuously getting a bigger and bigger loss. And the more it gets bigger, the more emotional they get until they- They sell at the bottom and then they go the There you go. <laughs> and the reason they sell at the bottom is because they're emotional, just like every other human out there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I definitely, thank you very much for, you know, shedding that light. I feel like you you dropped a bunch of gems in this one. Um, Thanks for having had, me. If you had um, one piece of advice for a new trader, I know you gave a lot in regards to mindset, uh, money, and um, method, right? Mm -hmm. In regards to like setting up for a beginner, right? Someone who's probably getting into paper trading right now, doesn't really want to bet their own money. Um, what, what do you feel are like the best things to look out for in regards to the method, right? Like mm -hmm. um, for me, like I like, um, like I use an EMA line, like I, I use a simple EMA line and then I also- Oh, have you mean like what's my edge in terms of like strategy, edge. like away from mind and money, just like what I look yeah. at in terms of the charts and stuff? Yeah, so like when someone was, is paper trading, right? They know how to kind of set up their charts to actually do the analytics part. Uh, I feel like that's the biggest hurdle. I feel like for me, I had to do hours and hours of like YouTubing and, you know what I'm saying, like getting involved in that. But what would you say is the, your favorite? Obviously, everybody has their, their different and utilizing, but what, what would you like, how would you set up your chart? If you want, you can even pull up your screen if you want. Like, sure, sure, 100%. So, you see it? Uh, yes, I see it now. Perfect. Okay, so for example, at the top here, I have the market, right? I watched the whole entire market as a whole. There are specific tickers, specific names that they track the entire market as a whole, that being the SPY, the S&P 500, NASDAQ, and the comp. You have to know what these are doing because when these are down big, 75% of the stocks are down with it, right? And to show you that, just to show an example, this is right here. Top, the top here is February and here, this is like late February and then here is late March. So in about a month, it fell about 33%. Remember, this is the SPY, which tracks the entire market. Let's pull up any stock, right? From February, right? From late February to March. This is Shopify. Doesn't matter how good Shopify was doing, the crash, right? Yeah. Pushed it down. If you look at almost any stock during that time, most of the stocks followed. Apple, February, March. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's the number one confirmation. You need to know what the market is doing. Um, stock trend line. You need to know what the trend of the chart is. For example, here, what I look at three trading screens. And this is also from uh, Dr. Alexander Elder from the, and you'll learn this from the book Trading for a Living. It's called the triple screen trading system where you have the weekly, right? You have the daily and you have the five minute. On the weekly and the daily, which I have right here, weekly and daily, I draw price levels on it. I put my support and resistance, right? And then I go to the five minute and then I make my decisions based on 
how they react around those critical levels. So the critical level price level is support resistance, um, highs, lows, alternating highs, lows. Um, when you have bearish candle, uh, candlesticks is also a um, an edge of mine. When you have, for example, a, a bearish candlestick, mm -hmm. right? The price level that I'm watching is the bottom of that candlestick. That would be another way to draw an important price level because if you have a bearish candlestick and the stock starts printing below, that means that more bears are stepping in. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah 100%. So uh, multiple ways that I teach on how to draw these critical levels. Support and resistance is one of the most you know, misunderstood things because psychologically, people say it's approaching support or it's approaching resistance. But by identifying a line of support or resistance, you're being biased, right? Because you're assuming it's going to support there or it's going to resist it. Scratch that out and start saying key levels or critical level, right? That's a huge, huge thing, a huge um, shift in mindset and perspective that was able to help me. Because what ended up happening was, let me share my, uh, a whiteboard real quick. You see the white? Uh, the the whiteboard? No, I don't see the whiteboard. Yeah, I think you need to share. Yeah, there you go. I see it now. Perfect. So what would end up happening was the... So uh, for, for those uh, people out there that actually don't know support and resistance, you want to just like give a quick definition of what that means? Sure. Uh, yeah. I'm looking. Where's the... Uh... One second. There's usually like a like a toolbox with uh, okay. I'll just use it. Here we go. So support or resistance is basically this is what it would look like in the textbook, right? So resistance, right? We would we would call it resistance after the fact, right? Resistance is like holding that holding it down, right? So resistance is basically where we, we can see here that the stock, that, the, that that price level acted as resistance the last four times, meaning that sellers stepped in at this price and pushed the stock down repeatedly. Now, as the stock is going back up, what a lot of people, especially beginners tend to do is they say it's approaching resistance, right? Mm -hmm. Now that's already being biased because they, they expect that since this happened four times that it's gonna happen again, right? But since they're not expecting it to, to potentially break, right? They'll, they'll maybe short too early, mm -hmm. right? Or they'll wait to, for it to get to exactly to that price and they'll short right there, mm -hmm. right? And then they'll have it completely go against them, right? The be the be a better thing to do would be to wait for confirmation, right? And then, and now that it proved as resistance or potentially proved as resistance, enter here and put a stop loss there. Makes yeah. sense? A hundred percent. I feel like that was um, a big, the, the still the biggest learning curve um, in regards to uh, me being a new trader mm -hmm. um, is identifying the true confirmation, right? So like, for example, um, if you want to pull up this, the, this chart on the left right here, if you this see one. that it, it, it went underneath that EMA line, yeah, to the left, yeah, right there. Yep. Um, you see how it went underneath that EMA line, mm -hmm. right? But then it, it continued up. I would think that it's now in an upward trend, but then I would set my stop loss too close to the EMA line where it would dive underneath the EMA line, take my shit and then continue going up. Let me ask you a question. If you, <laughs> if you were doing a survey, right? Would mm -hmm. you do a survey and it, no, you wanted to actually like get information. You want to, you wanted to get solid, solid information. Would you do a survey with 10 people or 10,000 people? Uh, I would do as 10,000 people as much 10, as thousand, right? Yeah. So basically the eight EMA on the five minute chart is only activity that's happening this five minutes, Yeah. which, which is minuscule compared to the daily and the weekly, which has data for the last, you know yeah. three years two years one year right so 
the yeah, important every morning i definitely look at the 180 day chart to see what direction every anything is going um i'm trading yes right now though go, going going further back than six months even can help you draw these important critical levels as well mm -hmm. when you have the weekly and daily you're able to draw these levels so for example this stock right here i had this critical level on it because of the daily let's see exactly why i had it 293.89. Yeah. So you see here, this was one three. Yeah. Bounced off it twice. Yeah. You, no, you see, uh, you see the top of this handle right here. Yeah. So this is a critical level that I had drawn out. Now, after you draw your critical level on the daily and the weekly, it's automatically going to get updated into the five minute chart, right? Of the same stock. Yeah. So here, one, we wanna look at the trend of the stock. Trend of the stock here is up, right? So we don't wanna go against it, right? If we are gonna go against it, we gotta be in and out quick, mm -hmm. right? Now, here's the critical level that we had. We've seen that the stock opened, I'll just use this one. So here we've seen that the stock opened at 291.5 and we had a critical level at around 294, right? We've seen that the stock pushed up and then sellers kicked in, right? And closed lower. And then we've seen the next five minute candle, bulls kick in. This candle made a higher low and it closed above not only the critical level, <clears throat> but against, but over the eight and the 20 EMA, right? So any time over the critical level here would have been a good entry, right? And then that you could have potentially ended up catching, you know, ended up running about like eight bucks. And with stocks, it might not be as crazy as a return, but learning this price action and then knowing how to uh, do options, you're able to maximize your returns. And if you're able to manage risk the right way, you can really see some good results. But before getting into options, you have to have to get efficient at reading stock charts real time, right? Because everybody can read stock charts, paper trade. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I agree with you. And I've actually had a lot of people reach out to me talking about like getting options. I'm like, bro, don't even touch that until you actually know how to do technical analysis, right? Like you're going to lose all your money. It's time value. Like if somebody invests 100k into a business, or invests 100k into, um, or if he puts 100k into the stock, for example, the stock would have to go to zero for him to lose that 100k. If somebody were to put 100k, let's say in an option contract that expires next week, if next week comes and they don't do nothing about it, that 100k is gone because that contract has time value. Mm -hmm. Once expires, once it expires, it doesn't matter how much it's worth. You can have a million dollars worth of options. If it expires without you flipping it or assigning it or, or, or like, um, you know, if you don't, assigning it is basically, I'm not going to get too into it if you get too complicated with options, yeah. but there's a there's a, like a couple of different things that you can do when you do buy the contract. Right? Mm -hmm. um, but me, I usually just focus on just flipping the premium, buying a call or put and selling it for higher when the stock goes you know my favorite yeah yeah i mean i definitely i definitely recommend for anybody out there um new do not touch options until you can you know physically get your stuff together in regards to being consistent with stocks 100 percent. I'm, and i'm so grateful that i didn't get introduced into options until like two years into my trading journey yeah i was able to just build experience with stocks and and even though i was losing early on I would have lost 20, 30 times as much if I would have just did options. Yeah, man. I mean, I 100% I agree. Like, I, I, I didn't even touch it. I, I plan on not touching it until I'm consistent as hell with my... Be consistently profitable with stocks, you know? And uh, going back to what you said with, uh, like, what do I look for as well? Um, high volume. That's very, very important. The, the difference between a strong move and a weak move is the volume. And what basically is volume? It's the amount of shares that were exchanged. So let's say I sold 10 shares to the market. 
and somebody from the market bought those 10 shares from me, it's not 10 plus 10 is 20. It's the total amount that was exchanged, which was 10, right? So once that transaction happens, volume is, uh, is increased by 10. So if we, for example, if we go here and we see this chart, and we see the, we see the bottom right here, these two numbers. Yeah. Okay, so the red or the green would be for that day, and then this one would be the average. So if we go here, if we go here and see in the bottom, this stock traded that day 1.3 million shares, right? That does not, just because it's green, that does not mean that 1.3 million shares were bought, because remember, for every buyer, there's a seller, right? It's not that it's more aggressive. It's not that it's more buying than selling. It's always the same buying than selling. But what ends up makes the price change in a certain direction is one side gets more aggressive than the other. What does that mean? That means if a buyer is aggressive, that means that he's willing to pay the ask. Think about it in real estate, right? Let's say a house is 200K. Mm -hmm. And the, ask, the asking price is 200K. Aggressive buying would be the equivalent of somebody going and buying the house for 200k. Like, yeah, give it to me. I want it. Mm. I want the house. That's and Nassau then, County right now for everybody. Uh, for anybody who's interested in real estate, that's Nassau County right now. Everybody's paying asking or above asking for some reason. I don't know. The demand well, high. Everybody's doing that right now. They're, they're yeah. yeah, right now. Like even with all this craziness, people are still moving into Nassau right now. Really? Houses are still moving. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. With all the uncertainty, people are still paying. So, hmm. I mean, that's a FHA market, right? So, there are a lot of a lot of houses under five hundred thousand compared to Queens and Brooklyn, where everything is kind of at a pause because mm -hmm. you're looking at you know million dollar price points. Right, right. So, I guess it's you know different, but kind of the same in the sense where like demand and supply are very, very important when it comes to things. And it's the same exact thing with stocks. Let me ask you this: What would make somebody pay at the ask price? What does he have to believe? that uh, the value of the properties can continuously go up or that it's a safe investment long-term. Exactly. And the opposite is true for when a stock or when something of value decreases. Mm -hmm. Sellers, why the hell are the sellers willing to, to sell for the bid price? What must they believe? Oh, they need to know that, well, they, they think that the prices are gonna go down. Or, exactly, so all, or price movement, all price movement is is the accumulation of all investors and traders' future perceptions of the market, right? So do you think it's rational to think, oh, um, coronavirus came out with even crazier numbers. The stock is going to go down even more, right? Mm -hmm. that, doesn't, that doesn't really make sense, right? That's why, you know, I tell people to really take news with a grain of salt. News is good, but if you make biases based on the news, news is going to be the worst thing that you're ever going to, you know, have part of your edge yeah because some people are just momentum like they're just about like trying to catch the news like when gilead uh, first announced that they were they potentially had like a cure for the coronavirus mm -hmm. they had something to treat it the stock like like jumped up like 10 15 dollars you know, right right around right the yeah. back i'm not saying that it, the no moves happen from them 100 percent. but the, the reason that these moves happen is because news brings catalyst right mm -hmm. catalyst meaning like it's putting, it's putting fuel to the fire Right, it's putting more more attention. You're not the only one hearing this news. A lot of people are hearing this news, so it gives more attention to the stock and potentially pumps volume in the stock. Mm -hmm. Which direction it's going to go, we don't know. But what we could do is see what's crazy on the news, right, or what's really has all the attention, and then do our charting, and then make sure that you know we're not getting in because of just the news. We're not getting in just because, like for example, a lot of people would see. Oh, Boeing 787 crashes, right? They see it like 7 a.m. Like what? And then they go 9:30. Like I'm shorting this bitch, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm betting against it, right? Like there's no way that the airplane is going to crash and the stock's going to go up. It has to. The stock has to crash too, just like the airplane, right? Yeah. So, but I mean, I feel like this market, with this craziness, has been going against that. Right, like every time we get some bad news, like yeah, there may be a little bit of a dip, but then things go right back to normal, pushing higher. Because mm -hmm. um, you got to remember, we're down thirty-five percent, so maybe the market already discounted it. Yeah, right? 
for sure. Where we go from here, we don't know. But what we could do is we just continue charting, make sure that we stay out of the chop. Okay. Literally, our whole idea now is to just sit on your hands until the opportunity presents itself. One of the craziest opportunities happened to be on Friday. But because, you know, I haven't been like the momentum has been a little bit lagging, right? And I haven't been on top of it as, as much as I want. I was unable to capture it. Had I been on top of my game and, and, and consistent, I, like, like I was like March, yeah. right? Would have caught it. It ended up going like, you could have got a 10x return on the video. I, did you see it pop? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been I've been watching, but I, like I've been really I'm trying to f narrow my focus on the things I'm trying. Like I've been trying a lot of ETFs. Like mm -hmm. that's kind of what I've been focusing on. Um, so I try not to get like I do watch other charts and I do watch some stocks um, that I really really like. Um, Square being one of them. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, Shopify being one of them. And I, I I look at them, but I don't actually train them, so I don't get like too engulfed in it. I want to like focus on what I'm I'm on. Right. I'm trying to like yeah. narrow it down to like three per trading session right and if i can't figure it out i just choose not to trade that day right and just watch and aside from all the edges or anything that you can potentially uh use to have a higher probability trader or whatever the most important thing that is going to be important to you as a trader or as a real estate investor or, or anything is going to be your energy right because when your energy is right you'll be able to capitalize on all the opportunities that the market is providing. If your energy is absolute crap, the market can literally show you in your face how much money, like right there, like by, by how much money, I mean like, let's say you, you define an edge, the market can keep showing you your edge, but if your energy is crap, you'll hesitate. You won't get in, right? You're nervous, you're scared, you don't wanna lose money. So the most important thing is to not let yourself get to that point right of emotional hijacking and to do that it's about increasing self-awareness now if you're at a point right now where you already feel emotionally hijacked you just got to take a step back and do some deep 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 reflecting right because a lot of people have been emotionally hijacked for the last month two months three months right it started off what started off as a bad mood right became you know a temperament and then became personality right just because you weren't you know addressing it as time moves on 100 mm -hmm. man so i mean thank you for for that i mean i feel like that that was definitely very very enlightening um for anybody who does want to sign up for anaz's class what what um what do they gotta do they just gotta dm you like what, what is yeah, it yeah uh, you can just check me out on instagram you know i'm pretty active on there i post a lot of stories too as well even if you know you don't take the training or whatever, like you can still benefit a lot. Of, um, I put a lot of you know free content on my stories. You know, I um, I share a lot about psychology. I share a lot about you know my trading methods and stuff like that. So, just yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think I'm gonna attend it myself. I'm excited. Um, definitely learning about your your strategies and what you're doing. It's cool. Like it's different, but it's the same, right? Like obviously you're looking at things way differently than, than I would at, with your experience. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, just what you said right now has already like shed some light on, um, what I plan on doing. Right. So it's just education, like just by being present and around people that are doing what you want to do, you're just going to pick up things naturally. A hundred percent surround yourself with who you want to be. Definitely, man. Well, thank you so much. And, um, yeah, man, I, this is, I can't wait to put this up. This is going to be a really good podcast. Pleasure was all mine, brother. All right, man. So enjoy the rest of your day, all right, brother? For sure. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.